0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Happy Monday. We've got a great show for you. The music you hear in the background is our new theme song for That Sounds Fun. I hope you love it as much as I do. We are singing it around the office all the time. Before we jump into today's show, I want to share a little bit about one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. It is no secret around here that I am a fan of counseling. You know that. I've been seeing my counselor for a little over seven years, and I just cannot tell you how much she's helped me through. Do you ever just feel like stuck or anxious or maybe like you need someone to talk to who can help you make sense of how you're feeling? BetterHelp is such a great resource. BetterHelp will assess your needs and then match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Once you're matched, you connect with the counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. The thing I really love about BetterHelp is that since it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and you can schedule video or phone sessions, they really have solved all the obstacles people usually share with me about why they're not in counseling in fact, financial aid is available, and you never have to worry about awkward waiting rooms. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, and trauma, and anything you share with them is completely confidential. You've heard me say it before, but I think prioritizing your mental and emotional health really matters. I want you to start living a fuller life today. As a friend of the show, you get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com sounds fun. Join over over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. And today on the show is someone who is helping me a lot with my thinking, my mental health, my knowledge of what is going on on the planet with God and where our faith meets culture, and that is Dr. Russell Moore. His new book, The Courage to Stand, releases tomorrow, and I am so thankful that he made time to chat with us and that we really dug into some hard questions that you guys submitted and and some really challenging issues as we continue this, I'm going to say it, unprecedented year. So here's my conversation with the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and author of The Courage to Stand, Dr. Russell Moore. Okay, I've hit record. I'm always scared. Dr. Moore, no one should leave me in charge of the technical side of this. <laughs> oh,
1: believe you me, I have had so many doing all this from home like yep. this. I have done I have lost so many recordings of interviews and podcasts and things. It is so there's no judgment on this end of the— <laughs> Okay,
0: great. Thank you for making time for this today. I'm really, really grateful.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: You are—for starters, can you tell me—this is a real jump in. I would love for you to tell me about your prayer life, because you are such a vocal leader, and so many people are turning to you for wisdom. How do you connect with God in a way that makes you ready for these kind of conversations and and even being on Twitter? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I'm not really on Twitter. I, I don't. I don't go on Twitter at all. Oh, well done. Uh, really, I, I post some things, but I don't ever uh, look at it. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you want to, we can talk about that later, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. But when it comes to prayer life, I almost hesitate to say this. Do, do you really talk about this because it it sounds like you're telling people this is what you should do? And I'm not saying that. This sure. is just what works for me.
0: Yeah. And that's so great.
1: I, what works for me is to have something that's super structured in the morning mm-hmm. and something that's that's really spontaneous in the evening. And and what I mean by that is um praying is very difficult for me mm-hmm. just to get my concentration and everything. Yeah. But one of the things I found that helps me is if I write out. A prayer. I'm just wired where sometimes I don't. I often don't even know what I'm thinking until I write it. So if I write a prayer out and then uh, oh, pray wow. it, that helps me. Or uh, you know, I I like uh, things like the Book of Common Prayer, and I mean there there are a lot of these yeah. that really prompt uh, prayer life. And then usually in the evening, uh, what I do is walk. I've always since I was a you know a kid. Walking and praying, it just it just prompts that. And I've sort of given myself permission to pray a little bit and then stop, and then come back to it.
0: Yeah.
1: And that that's just just what works for me.
0: Do you go walk at some point every day? Are you just like walking around your neighborhood?
1: I try to walk. I try to walk at some point every day. I have a a place. uh, It's a path out through the woods that that I typically find myself there uh, now.
0: Yeah, that's the joy of the pandemic, right? Is one of the, is the, one of the very few yeah. positive things is we've really gotten to know where our feet can go around our, per, our own homes.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right.
0: When you journal out your prayers like that, do you keep all those journals? So do you have like a no. backlog?
1: No, you don't. No. Here, here, here's, here's why. Because I have kept a journal on and off since I was a teenager. Yeah. And when I go back and look at those journals, the only thing that actually is worth having them for is to find out when certain things happened. Hmm. Because other than that, what I know when I'm reading myself in those is that I'm reading that with an eye to someone else reading it or my oh, future sure. self reading it. Yeah. And so one of the things I learned, um, there's a, a book, uh, The Artist's Way, it talks yes. about morning pages. I don't know if you're yep. familiar with that but. Uh, It helped me when it comes to prayer, because one of the things about that is you just sit down and you just start writing and you know that you're not even going to keep what's there. You're not going to look back at it. And so that's what helps to sort of free me up. So I don't have to think, well, I've got to make sure that, you know, everything seems (laughs) (laughs) right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's great, man. That has got to bring so much freedom to people that are hearing that of the idea of like, just get them get it down and then get rid of it, and yep. it'll help you pray. But you don't have to see it in five years. You don't have to worry that when when you're gone, your kids are going to be reading that out loud at your funeral.
1: That's that's exactly right. And you know, one of the things too, and I've, I've sort of learned this over the years is that and, and the Bible talks about this a lot about the Abba cry and mm-hmm. about uh, groanings too deep for words uh, often the times in prayer that have meant the most to me have been those times when I've said Lord I don't even know what I'm asking you for mm. I, I don't I don't know what I even want to say I'm just here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it seems to me that that at least I, I'm aware of God's presence more in those moments than I am when I have this really thought through, carefully planned uh, sort of of prayer, which for somebody built like me could easily just turn into a sermon
0: Mm, Yeah,
1: that God is saying, I don't need to hear this. I don't want to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) The the same
0: with with me would be that the Lord's like, hey, Annie, you don't have to write all the details. I was there. I remember. Yeah,
1: that's exactly
0: right. <laughs> you, you don't have to write out everything that happened yesterday. I was there. <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's get to the what you're here for. <laughs> you know, in the last, I don't I, you would know better than me, in the last three years, in the last five years, it feels like you have really had to, and your book is called The Courage to Stand. It feels like you have really had to take some hard stands. What do you know about God now? after you've taken so much more public—I assume it's so much more public uh, anger and hatred than you'd ever had before. What do you know about God now that you didn't know before that?
1: I think uh, one of the main things that I know about God that I didn't know before is the way that God will put into your life the the exact sort of community that you Mm. need. And wow. so I think about there's a, there's an author whose work just meant more to me than I can say. And I was able to meet him uh, one time, I went out to his house and I was just fanboying and yeah. You know, it was so <laughs> awkward. And I was trying to tell him how much all of his stuff had meant to me. And he said, well, isn't it something how it turns out that the right book, comes around at just the right time, and the right person comes around at just the right time, and the right conversation comes around at just the right time, and I have found that to be true. Hmm. Yeah, I think often we sort of have uh, the community that we think uh, ought to be there, and what what God tends to do is to is to pull us toward people that maybe uh, maybe wouldn't have been as close. Otherwise, because Mm -hmm. of shared experiences or um, any number of things, so I think I think that's been one of the biggest things I've learned.
0: How did you learn? I mean, I'm I'm thinking about my friends as we're listening, who everybody's been through a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's American that's listening is walking towards an election in a couple of weeks, Mm. and. And, and we how how do you identify those friends that are a gift from God? Like I think having the eyes to see that really matters. how do you how do you know when they're there?
1: Well, uh, you know, some of it is there there's there's a certain type of person because what I tend to do is when I'm having a difficult time, I tend to just pull in mm. And I have certain friends who, know exactly how to find me, you know, and and they know what to, what to do. And a lot of them are, are newer friends that have sort of, you know, come into my life. um, And then some of them very old friends. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think one of the things that uh, has just really been one of the most unimaginable blessings in my life is I have a small group of friends and we get together as often as we can. Uh, it's about five of us. Most of them are musicians. One's a, a therapist, and there's yeah. me. And yeah. uh, we get together and read uh, T.S. Eliot poetry oh, wow. together yeah. and talk about it. Which really, that's really just sort of the the structure of it. And and we just get together. But all of us sort of come in there, and uh, it, there's just something different about that because we have enough. Our lives are enough in common. And yet, we're not all doing the same thing. I mean, it, it, so it's sure. it, it was just the right, uh, the right sort of commonality, and yet we're not sort of regurgitating the same world.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> so, yeah, that's really been a blessing. <laughs> they're they're writing music, and you're worrying about you know ethics and religious liberty. <laughs> so. Yeah. As you yeah. do. Yeah, that's beautiful. And writing,
1: and writing music, too, but just that nobody listens to. So.
0: Oh, are we going to get some of that one of these days, Dr. Moore? No.
1: no. <laughs> that's that, that, that sort of morning Page's stuff that you should be glad is being thrown away. Okay, good.
0: Well, if you ever want to share it, you know that we would love to hear it. In The Courage to Stand, one of the things I loved about this new book, it feels really timely. And I'm asking this of a lot of authors right now. And uh, have you? Was this the book you always planned to write that you knew would come out in October, or as the year progressed, did you go, "Hey, we need to pivot a couple of these things here"? Like, wh- how not did this all. book come out?
1: Uh, it, no, not at all. I I had been writing this book uh, for two years, wow. uh, without any understanding of what the year was going to look like, and you know, someone someone said, I don't remember who said this. Can you imagine? going back in a in a time machine to yourself on New Year's Eve 2019 mm-hmm. and just showing pictures right uh, and how how dystopian all that would would seem yeah. Uh, so I didn't know that was that was coming. you know sometimes God knows what we need well all the time God knows what sure. we need better than we do, but sometimes you you see that happening.
0: It keeps being really fascinating to me to see the collection of books that kind of what the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing through so many different authors that that did not know what this season would look like, but have written books that we really need right now. And mm-hmm. the courage to stand fits right in there with me, because one of the things you say, and this like almost made me cry when I first read it, Ben, I would love for you to speak into it, is the challenge that Christians are facing isn't clarity. Most of us know what to do and mm-hmm. where we stand. It's it's this crisis of being brave enough to actually be willing to take the stand. Yeah. How do we determine—my my worry here, Dr. Moore, is that we're going to take stands on things that aren't the things that we really have to take stands on. How do oh, we yes. determine what matters most?
1: Well, w- when I say stand in this book, I- I'm sort of almost turning that on its head from mm. what we we typically think of. I think usually what we mean when we say stand for something is to uh, have a, a list of positions that you're you're arguing about. Mm. And of course sometimes that's uh, that's a part of it. but that's that's not what standing is, I think right. in in the Bible. It's more what Elijah is saying when he says, the God before whom I stand, or when the Apostle Paul says that the one who uh, before whom one stands or falls. I mean, I think I think that that's having one's life lived in God. Mm-hmm. And I think that if if that part is there, then that means that a lot of this sort of frantic, uh, you know, people people just res- people respond to fear in in multiple ways. Yeah, and one of the ways that some people. Uh, respond to fear is to just say, who's the herd that's around mm. me? And I don't want to be exiled from them. So I'm just going to convince myself, talk myself into whatever it is that they expect from me, and I'm just going to blend in. Yeah. And then there's another kind of person who is scared and, and fearful and responds with a kind of um, what the Bible calls an unhealthy craving for controversy. Mm-hmm. And who is quarrelsome and yeah. wants to be in a fight all the time over everything? And you know, there's a reason why the Bible puts sexual immorality and that mm. together because sure. they're the same sort of thing. It's it's the same thing. You know, when I talk to somebody who uh, you know infidelity is breaking their marriage up, that's almost never, in my experience, is that about sex. To begin, it's usually about somebody who is lifeless and numb, and they're wanting to get the feeling of being in high school again or being in college again. I like you. Do you like me? All of it. that 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 sort of of adolescent romance Mm -hmm. and hormonal flush. And that's how they get drawn into this. And the same thing I think is true with with the people who want to fight and argue over everything and continue narrowing everything down. It's because it gives a feeling of life. And just like somebody who's having an affair can always convince themselves, well, this is my soulmate. It was meant to be, listen to the love songs and think that somebody who's in this quarrelsome mode is able to say, uh, well, I'm standing for the Lord. Hmm. Because I'm I'm constantly fighting over everything when Jesus doesn't do that. Right. Uh, Jesus, as a matter of fact, it's it's so it's so interesting to me how almost unpredictable Jesus is from our vantage point. There are some times when he just gets into the middle of something and uh, gives a, a viewpoint. There are other times where he says, I'm going to turn this question around and uh-huh. ask a different question. There are other times when he says, I'm not getting into this at all. And other times where he just walks forward
0: right?
1: because he's heading to the cross. Well, I think that's because, and also it strikes me how Jesus is never frantic when everybody else is frantic. Yes. And the, the times that we see Jesus fiery, you know, they're, they're not often. Yeah. We see anger. And whenever that happens, he's always the only one. <laughs> Everyone you know else what? is You're saying,
0: right. You're right. <laughs> yeah.
1: People say, Why are you worried about the you know the money changers are always here? Why why are you upset about a fig yeah. tree that's not doesn't have fruit when it's not time for it to have fruit? And when Jesus is in anguish, is a time when no one the no disciples one else are is. asleep and he's sweating <sighs> blood. And then when he's being arrested. Right after that, he's not sweating blood there. He's not uh, He's not panicking. Peter is the one who's yes. hacking away with the sword. And Jesus says, come on, <sighs> put that back. I mean, I think there's a lot that we can that we can learn from that.
0: Dr. Moore, you are blowing my mind right now. <laughs> because, you know, like when you think about the, the woman caught in adultery, everyone else was mad and Jesus was chill. Yeah. But then yeah. you're right, turning over the tables, everyone else was chill and he was mad.
1: <gasps> That's exactly right. Yeah. You
0: have really messed me up today. Now <laughs> my next la- I'm reading the gospels every month straight through and so I'm on my about to start my 10th round and I'm like, well now I'm just going to look for how he's opposite of everyone else's emotions <laughs> for the whole month. Hey, friends, I'm just interrupting this conversation for a moment to let you know about one of our incredible partners, Flamingo. As we transition into fall and cooler weather, we get to stow away our tank tops, sadly, and cutoffs and break out the sweatshirts and boots. But if you're anything like me, you also start dealing with dry, sensitive skin on your legs. They can be aggravated by a typical women's razor. Well, my gals, we simply don't have to endure that for another day. Enter Flamingo. Flamingo is a body care brand that makes an award-winning razor at half the price. Flamingo was started by a group of women at Harry's. You've heard me say this. The men's shaving brand who wanted to create a better experience for women, too. I'm so grateful. They crafted razors that are both beautiful and affordable. I love my flamingo razors and that is plural because i have multiple first of all my main one that i keep at home all the time is beautiful it's like desert rose and silver design they really spoke to me and the ergonomic handle feels good to hold smooth but easy to grip and it helps me get a close shave in those hard to reach places like the back of your knee Shaving feels better when it's not overpriced. So visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie, that's me, to get your Flamingo shave set. Just $16 with free shipping. One less trip to the drugstore, my friends. It includes Flamingo's award-winning razor, shave gel, and body lotion, plus a slip-free shower hook that I love. And with Flamingo's 30-day money-back guarantee, you can try it all risk-free. That's shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Now back to my conversation with Dr. Moore. I mean that that I would love for you to speak a little more into that in in the way of we all want to honor God with our decision making with our voting with how we communicate on social media. I don't I don't know there's a lot of people who are jumping online and saying, "Well, I'm going to get upset about this or I'm going to take a hard stand on this particular thing because I'm an evil person." You know, most of the people we hear arguing, they have all done their research, and they've come to two different points of view and are yelling at each other. Mm -hmm. How how do we look like Jesus in this? What does it look like to look like Jesus on social media?
1: Well, I actually think that 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 doesn't happen very often. Where what you have is an argument over a a point of view on something where people are saying, well, you know, I think this and you think that that's what the the theater of it is. That's what the pretense of it is. But in almost every case in our current uh, situation, it's not that it's Mm -hmm. two people who would be fighting with each other no matter what. Mm -hmm. And the issues are then chosen. uh, That's the second step of it. Uh, So the, the issues are just the arena. In which they're fighting, <laughs> right. but the actual thing is, you think you think you're better than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I think. Ninety nine percent of the sort of social media uh, kind of uh, disputes that go on, and a lot of the other disputes, that's really what it is. And so yeah. you think you're better than me? You're not. Yes. And yes. that's why. I mean, there, there's there's I've never met anybody who has changed his or her view about anything. Because of seeing a, a Twitter fight or a Facebook, thread. not one,
0: right? Not one, right? No, never. And
1: <laughs> yeah, that's because that's not what they're for.
0: Yeah, that's right, and that and that's not what they're really trying to accomplish either. Right. Is not changing people's minds. Uh, let me bring up a question, and just for our listeners, we you and I went over these questions ahead of time, so I'm not springing anything on you. <laughs> but some of our friends, after our AFD weekend review email, submitted some questions for you, and this one fits right in from Lindsay why does right now in history feel so much more divided and contentious, particularly among Christians than any other period in modern history? Is that true? And if so, do you know why it feels that way?
1: I think it's true to some degree. I don't think that there was ever a time where you you didn't have fallen human nature going at each mm. other. that's that's always the case. And in some ways, things are better than they would have been in other uh, in other generations. Wow. but What's, what's worse, I think, is there's a sense of, again, that sort of lifelessness mm. that, that people are trying to find something to, to fill the lifelessness with. And I think what they're choosing is adrenaline and oh, wow. the limbic system. And then the other part of it is there's a kind of connection that wasn't happening uh, the way that it is uh, now in other generations. So you know sometimes I'll have uh, somebody say to me, "What do I do about just about every week there's somebody who has a a teenage son or daughter who is being sort of bullied on social media mm-hmm. or or maybe not even bullied but just social media is is messing with their minds." And yeah. I said, well, of course it is. I said, I mean, remember what it's like to be a teenager where what you're saying is, what do other people think of me? Uh, am I? Do I fit in? Mm-hmm. A- am I included? Well, now you can have at least this illusion that you're tracking this mm-hmm. uh, all the time. What do people think of me? Do they... Think about me. What what's this party that somebody else was invited to, and I didn't even know about it until I saw right. the pictures on Instagram. Right. I mean, right. that's something that just wouldn't have been technologically the the underlying reality was there, but the ability to to amp it up to the yeah. level we have now wasn't. Yeah.
0: Yes, I was saying to a friend the other day that my senior my freshman year of high school, I saw a picture in a yearbook of something I had missed out on the summer before. And, yeah. and that was one day of my whole year that I saw something I missed out on. And that yep. is what teenagers are experiencing every day <laughs> on social right. media now. Right. That's right. Right. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, that's why it just feels like we can see so much more. And maybe that's why it feels more contentious.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think so.
0: Okay, let's keep going with a couple of these questions because I think this is— these would be really helpful for our listener. And I'm I'm really thankful to you, Dr. Moore, for being willing to answer some of these. But one friend asked, what's a good Christian response to, and she put this in quote, heroes of the faith, who also had a history of owning slaves and or advocating for slavery? Where is the line between understanding that we all have sin yet being horrified at their biblical justification for such unspeakable things?
1: Well, I think you have to be honest about where there are uh, sins in any so-called heroes of the faith, whether they're uh-huh. biblical figures or, or figures who came, came after that. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to be honest about that. And I think the, the sort of rule of thumb that I have, because what I see is sometimes the tendency is to say, well, if this is a hero— then that means that whatever he or she has done that's wrong can't really be that wrong. And mm-hmm. so I just sort of do a, well, what about Yeah, kind of thing. I think that that is a terrible way to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also a terrible way to go just to say uh, we're, we're not going to learn anything from from anybody who has who has sinned egregiously. I think the better way to do it is to say in, in whatever person that we're looking at, it's not so much a question of whether we're valorizing that person or not. It's what are we valorizing about mm. that person? So if you think about, I mean, like a stained glass window in a church, if you walk in and there's a stained glass window of Solomon rendering the decision about the the baby, uh, yeah. bet- the, the living baby between the two women, well, you know what that sign is about is about the wisdom that comes from the Spirit. Right. It's not about Solomon's uh, concubines and his his pull into idolatry later on. It's mm-hmm. it's not about those things. Those things are there, and right. those things are important. But that's different than if you have uh, than if you have a a stained glass window about something else. Right. And so I think we do the I think we do the same thing with our our so called heroes in the faith, and we we have to learn how to do that. Because often what you're going to find out, even in the people that you know, is that sometimes there are going to be people that you respect and you admire who are going to disappoint you. Mm. And you're only going to see that in retrospect. And then there are going to be other people in your life who you don't really notice that much. And only in retrospect do you see, wow, that was real faithfulness, extraordinary faithfulness in ways I just couldn't see at the time. Mm -hmm. But I think the reaction that some people have is when that does happen, then there's a sense of questioning, well, is everything that I learned from this person now fraudulent? No.
0: Yeah, that's the fear, I think, that people think— If something goes sideways with a pastor or an author or a musician that they like, that yeah. anything that person's created in history is now void.
1: Right. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think that's the case. But I think we we also have to say, but it does tell you. I mean, you, what what you have to say is, okay, this person is um, preaching and teaching and so forth, and yet doesn't see uh this glaring sin or injustice that the question needs to that needs to be asked secondly is well why not and yeah. what's going on and so you take that into account and i think that the main way that i try to take it into account is as a warning which is to say what are the things going on around me <laughs> yeah. that it's not that i sit down i mean you said earlier nobody Says, I want to be an evil person today. Let me go on social media and do that. That that's exactly the case with with everything. Almost no one mm-hmm. says, "How do I act like a supervillain today?" It, it's right. that they they sort of just adjust what they pay attention to and what they don't, and what they think matters and what doesn't matter, and that's a way that can easily lead to destruction. Yeah. And that's- so I think take a warning for that from that and say. That could easily happen in my life, too. And I have to be constantly asking, God, mm-hmm. show me this, and have community where people are showing me that, too.
0: And you mentioned a version of this, encouraged to stand, but the idea of, of not letting shame make decisions for you, of yeah. having courage over shame and being free from that. Uh, because I do think there there are things that we all want to stand for and be known for but, there, but then you go, well, but if people really knew, yeah. if they knew I used to struggle with this, if they knew what my husband and I talked about and we're, we're trying to figure out, if they knew our financials, if they knew what our kids said, yeah. then, but, and, and so how do we keep shame from, I mean, you don't have to give away the whole book because we should read it, but <laughs> how do we keep shame from stopping us from being brave?
1: You know, I think I think the main thing is to have a healthy understanding of judgment Mm. And and I I think that's something that most people don't want to think about because, I mean, if you ask your atheist or agnostic friend who doesn't, maybe doesn't know very many Christian people, and you say, what do you know about Christianity? You know, nine times out of 10, that person is going to say judgmental. And you and I Mm. both know what they mean because we've seen that. Uh, But I actually would say the problem is that we don't have the right kind of understanding of judgment, Mm. which is to say you know, the, the interesting thing, I think, again, if you go back to the gospels, the interesting thing about Jesus is the way that he knows at, the people that he's talking to. He doesn't need anybody to bear witness about humanity, John says. He, he knows them. And you whether that's the woman at the well, uh, where's your husband? He knows all about the husband. Oh, or Nathaniel in John 1 where he says, here's, here's a here's a good guy. Is yeah. for and the, the response is, you don't know who I am. And then he makes it very clear that he does. Hmm. And so if, if you start to have this understanding that I am in Christ, Jesus knows everything about me and came after me anyway. Hmm. And if I'm hidden in Christ, that means that I'm not trying to perform for God. Uh, God thinks of me. Uh, exactly as he thinks of Jesus, I'm a, a an appendage on the body connected to the head. This yeah. is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Then that can free you from having to measure up to all the other little judgment seats between here and there, yeah. Yeah. which is why I think Paul says, I consider it a small thing to be judged by you. And what he's saying by that is not Uh, you can't judge me. You know, I'm standing, he's saying, no, I I consider myself to be judged and to give an accountability before Christ. That means I don't have to have a decision about me made by every other potential judge. Mm -hmm. Because if you do that, what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up being exhausted by it because you can't meet uh, everybody's expectations. You can't meet your own expectations of yourself, right? <laughs> uh, and you're just going to end up just pouring your life out for for nothing, rather than saying, uh, "I'm going to give an account of this. This is going to make sense in the end. There is going to be a resolution here, and I have to sort of hold." And that's that's something that's kind of difficult for me mm-hmm. because, and I really didn't know this about myself until. This older uh, man in my life uh, came in and he said, You know, he said, I think your problem is that you have a really narrative view of reality and a really narrative view of your life. And I said, I do.
0: Hmm.
1: And he said, But I think what you want is to resolve all the plot lines. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you have to give that up. You have to say, This is a plot line that I may never be able to resolve or see resolved. Mm -hmm. And that was really perceptive. I thought, you know, that is exactly what I'm trying to do here. And it's, it, it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> right, right. For people to know, there is actually a chapter in your book, Courage and the Future, Meaning Through Mystery. Yeah. And I, when I was flipping there, I was like, oh, I don't like mystery. <laughs> I, like yeah. the, I like the lines to resolve. I'm with you. That's yeah. so hard.
1: Yeah. And I, I said, there was something that I was sort of um, you know, praying with somebody about one time, And I said, you know, I could make it through this if I just knew exactly how it was going to end up. (laughs) Yeah. And he said, well, of course. Uh, Anybody can make it through anything, but that's not what life is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll do this little just mental exercise. I know this is stupid, but I, I like to do it. Yeah. Where I think about a time, you know, sometimes if a memory will come up of, you know, however many years ago, And I think if I were to have a conversation with myself at that time, what are the sorts of things that I would ask my future self and what would I say back? I just Mm. sort of imagine that. And often what I find is that most of what I want to say to that younger self is stop wasting so much time worrying uh, Mm. uh, about the future when uh, the things that you're worried about aren't, you have real worries, but they're, they're usually not things that you even are paying attention to right now. Yeah. <laughs> you're wasting time on all these other things. Mm-hmm. And that causes me to think, well, then what would my future self 20 years from now want to right. say that <laughs>
0: Right, what would he look back and say to you right now? Yeah. Hey, friends, just taking one more quick break to introduce y'all to one of our partners, Jenny Life. Okay, ladies, did you know that on average, men, oh boy, have twice the life insurance coverage that women have? What? No matter what season of life you're in, you still need life insurance. Gals, you need Jenny Life Jenny Life makes it fast and easy for women to know your families or loved ones will be taken care of with life insurance that's uniquely built for your needs. I couldn't believe this when they told me, but before Jenny Life, if a pregnant woman wanted life insurance, she'd have to give her pregnancy weight to apply, my word, and that led to higher rates. Can you believe that? Well, with Jenny Life, you can get your life insurance policy without blood work or unnecessary red tape. And you can do it all online from your home. They ask five simple questions, and then they curate plans from dozens of A-rated insurance carriers to give you a personalized, budget-friendly life insurance quote in seconds. Y'all know that as an Enneagram 7 over here, I'm not great at sitting in the tough emotions. I'm working on it, and I know this can be hard to think about, but it's truly so important to have a plan in place for how your loved ones would be cared for in the event that something were to happen to you. Life insurance is something every woman should have in place because every family deserves a financially secure future. You need Jenny Life. Visit JennyLife.com slash That Sounds Fun to get a free quote right now. That's JennyLife.com slash That Sounds Fun for your life insurance quote today. J-E-N-N-Y-L-I-F-E dot com slash That Sounds Fun. And now back to finish up our conversation with Dr. Moore. I mean, one of the questions that's coming to my mind when you're talking about this judgment stuff, and this is my observation, and you can say, Annie, you've observed this incorrectly. Mm-hmm. But my observation has been that you have experienced in the way you're leading within our faith communities, you've experienced significant unkindness and pushback and vitriol, I would like to use that word there. And and so my question is... Why do you keep doing this? What is it about the church and about and about the church being healthy that makes you not give up on all of this and do something that isn't quite so hard?
1: Uh, I think it is because, and I talked about this uh, in, in the book uh, about being a 15 year old going through a spiritual crisis, mm. where I I really wondered: Is Christianity just a means to an end? Is it really just Politics or mm. marketing or, or or social control is that is that actually what it really is? And thankfully, uh, you know, I had I had spent all my childhood reading the Chronicles of Narnia, so I yeah. recognized C.S. Lewis's name on the spine of a book that I that I bought and took home, Mere Christianity, oh. and what really helped me. Uh, Through that was not the arguments that Lewis was making, although those are important and good. But my problem wasn't really intellectual. It was the fact that Lewis was authentically bearing witness and he was he was obviously not worried about, um, you know, what do I need to say right now to stay in the the inner ring mm. as he would call it? Mm-hmm. but he he was just bearing witness to something and there was a I mean it was almost like a, a radio free Bible belt coming through that <laughs> uh, that voice that that enabled me to say no no no, I I can tell the difference between Jesus and some of what goes on in the name of Jesus. And uh. so I think I think most of my life, I'm constantly saying there are people like that out there, and I don't know who yeah. they are, but th- I really want to speak to the people who are overhearing uh, wow. uh, overhearing this stuff yes. and saying, you know what? Christianity isn't a means to an end. There, there, there really is an empty tomb out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's important.
0: It feels like you are one of we are lucky to have you as one of part of the immune system of the body of Christ. Oh, <laughs> it thanks. feels like you are one of the people that I can I can trust to to help keep us healthy. And knowing that you're doing it because there's other 15-year-old kids out there learning and wanting to learn is is so admirable. So, thank you for doing that. Thank you. Okay, we have another question from a listener that I think will get us kind of going down a path that I'm interested in, you know, so much of what people are concerned about right now is how to be in relationship with their family and their friends when yeah. people don't agree on things. And mm-hmm. so I'll read you this, this question. This friend says, my in-laws are anti-maskers, fervent anti-maskers, don't trust the government, believe that enforcing masks is ultimately going to lead to actual communism. And they Mm -hmm. won't wear a mask for even a couple of weeks in order to see their grandson who's visiting from out of state. And this person says, well, I believe that view puts my family at risk if we do see them. How do we approach situations like this? It feels like a lose-lose. So can you Mm -hmm. kind of speak into that?
1: Well, I think that is a lose-lose and, and you know, most people are in a, a lot of lose-lose situations yes. right now that we, we wouldn't want to be in. Uh, what I would say is this, separate out the argument from the concerns about your family's risk. Mm. So if, if what you're wanting to do is to convince these people that they're irrational or, uh, you know, wrongheaded on this, which I think they are, you're not going to be able to do that And don't take the responsibility to have to do that. And also don't fall to the temptation of the catharsis Mm. of doing that. I told her, you know, don't don't, don't get into that. But separate that from your concerns about uh, your family. Mm. So it it reminds me, her question is, it's unique to sort of our time, but it's really not. It reminds me of um, working in adoption orphan care over the years, I would often have people who would say, you know, what do we do? We've adopted a baby who's of another ethnicity than our uh, extended family. And, you know, we've got this aunt who's opposed to that and is, is angry about it and what have you.
0: Yeah. And
1: what I would always say is, well, you can't change Aunt Sadie uh, from the distance uh, where you are. But what you can say is, this is our daughter and we come as a package. So if she's not welcome here, we're not welcome here. Hmm. You're not mad about it, but that's the reality uh, of it. And I think the same thing would be the case here. Don't put your your family in risk just to appease somebody else's conspiracy theories, Mm -hmm. but try to find the ways where you can get, kind of get through that. And I, I think probably in most cases, you're able to tell, is this sort of a temporary aberration? I mean, everybody's going a little bit crazy in some way or the right. other right now.
0: <laughs> Me too. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, we all are. So just can sort of take that into, uh, into account and, and do everything you can to lower the temperature.
0: Hmm.
1: But, but I wouldn't do anything that would put my, my family at risk at all. And so I would just say, you know, okay, well, you're not able to wear masks. I mean, we've had to do that yeah. and say, uh, you know, no, we're not going to go to that uh, event uh, or, or or so forth. You don't have to have extended argument. Just say that's, that's not something we can do. Yeah.
0: And, and that leads me to have you speak into this. This is something I'm really wrestling with is how do we determine what the non-negotiables are for us right now, that are worth losing relationships over. I just see people losing actual friendships over yeah. certain things. How do we determine what's non-negotiable to us?
1: Well, I, I can just tell you, for me, um, what's not – I don't think that a relationship is negotiable.
0: Mm. That's but the non-negotiable.
1: Also, that's a non-negotiable. And so uh, I have all sorts of relationships with people who are you know completely uh, opposite in every way. I mean, one of my one of my closest friends, I think uh, if we if you sat down and said what do you agree on, it would probably be on one relatively minor thing. Wow. which is where we met working together on that that thing. And we disagree on everything else. And that's okay. Uh, yeah. Because, because we're not sort of theatrically, uh, we're not debating each other, or we're not whatever. And what that does is it gives a certain sort of freedom, where we can have really candid conversations that aren't, you know, the temperature's not high, it uh-huh. would just be now, what would somebody who, who thinks the way that you do help me to understand that? And it's it's not a it's not an existential threat you're, you're, right. because the relationship is secure. That said, I do not think that somebody needs to be in a situation where um, you know you've got people who the, the boundaries are down and and it's it, it's something that's sort of a perilous uh, for for you mm-hmm. in terms of you know we all have those people where everything has to be, every conversation has to eventually be some sort of a, a sparring match on something. I think it's perfectly appropriate to say, I'm not mad, but I just can't do this right now. Yeah. And, and so we, we, we have a, a little bit of a distance so that I can, uh, so, so that I can function. I think that's, yes. <laughs> I don't think that's unforgiveness. I don't think that's uh, wrong. I think mm-hmm. that's sometimes wise.
0: Yeah, just a a few people that you can say, call me in 2021, and I think we'll be fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's exactly right. Or, you know, there, there will be a lot of times when there are some people in my life, and, and there are times when I've actually said this, where I've said, you know what, yeah, uh, let's do this, but let's do this. This is not an area that we're going to talk about. Because it's not, it's not, and, and what I do is not say, because you're so obnoxious and wrong. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's because I would say, you know, I'm just not at a place where that's really healthy for me yeah, uh, to do that. Yes. Because there is a sort of personality that sort of thrives off of a kind of find where the tense point is and stir that around. And it's it's kind of fun for them to observe. Mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so, what I what I want to say is, I really want to spend time with you, but I don't want to do this. Yes. And if you can do that, I think that I think that sometimes can can work. But you're right. I mean, I don't know one person who hasn't had friendships break up, mm-hmm. family members at odds with one another, churches that are uh, at odds with one another. I mean, it's just it's just a, a really Perilous time for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you said a beautiful thing in there where you said, we can just say to someone else, help me understand. Yeah. Help me understand because I think that posture that you're modeling is help me not sit in this conversation like I'm the one who knows everything and you are the one who is not smart. Yeah. And you are the yeah. one who has not done your research, but I have. But I feel like if, if I could in more conversations say, help me understand, it positions me as the learner whether mm-hmm. I actually believe I am or not, the action will lead my feelings.
1: <laughs> but, it, but it actually, it, it, will, it will help you uh, even e- even beyond the relational level. It actually will help you to be able to say, okay, why are we seeing these things so so differently? Mm-hmm. So even in a lot of times where I think I'm right and I think I'm just as right as I was before, Right. Uh, I have a better understanding of, okay, what's the story this person is saying to himself or herself? Mm. where this makes sense uh, to them. And I think that's important and and the reason for it is you know, go back again to the fifteen year old. I think sometimes what what the church has done is to say, let's kind of um, make any viewpoint that's not ours. And I mean, even on the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's take a viewpoint that's not ours. And let's put it in the worst possible light so that the people who hold it seem stupid and evil. Yeah. And short term, that can, you know, that can work because people are like, yeah, we're not like those stupid evil people. The problem is though, your kids meet people uh, like this and they yes. come away and they say, Oh, well, this isn't uh this isn't a stupid person. This isn't mm-hmm. an evil person, this mm-hmm. is a, a kind person, and their viewpoint actually isn't. Um, the way that it was caricatured to me. And then they start to say, well, were they were they telling me the truth about everything else? Yeah so I think if you can as much as you can, and it's it's hard to do, but as much as we can, to really understand uh, why people hold the views that they hold and present those things fairly and then say, here's why, here's why I think something else is is true that actually, even on its own terms, is more effective.
0: Yeah, that's, I wonder if we could just, you're leading this beautifully, just kind of, <laughs> if we could just be people who the next few months ask as many questions as we share opinions.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and and two, I mean, a, a lot of it is most of, most of this stuff is not going to resolve itself in a month. Mm. And so, what you have to do is to say, "I'm going to take the the long game here," which means I don't have to be immediately vindicated, mm. because that's that's rarely going to happen. There, there, there's rarely going to be a situation where this this uh, listener of yours, it's probably not going to be the case where her parents show up and say, "You're right, we were idiots, and right. look at our new masks." That's right. not going to happen, uh, but. What she can do is sort of model uh, for the people around her uh, a way to go forward, and and maybe she can prompt some thinking in her parents for later on for some other crisis that comes down the road, and that's worth it.
0: It feels like we're at the beginning of getting to – experience things like this. Like, this won't be our last pandemic, probably. This won't, you know, feels like we're beginning to learn. Yeah, if we went back to 2019 New Year's Eve and showed that we all have different masks based on what we want to wear that day, I would not have (laughs) believed you. (laughs) I I I absolutely would not have believed you. Uh, Dr. Moore, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover?
1: I think that covers the spectrum.
0: Yeah, you did. You were very generous with us and your thoughts. And I think our friends listening are going to absolutely love the courage to stand. I just think the more books like this that we have in our arsenal and tools to help us have the language to communicate well right now are just just priceless. So um, thank you for writing it. Our very last question that we always ask, and I'm fascinated to hear your answer on this, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you do for fun.
1: Uh, well, one of the things uh, that, I mean, I have five kids.
0: All boys, so right? Just a bunch of dudes. They're all boys. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they're, they're all boys. And I have found just being with my kids all the time uh, during the pandemic has been really fun. Yeah. And um, I, there there are certain old shows that I I hate to say that I have... I have watched so many times that I have every line of dialogue <laughs> memorized.
0: Are you talking like Frasier or are you talking like uh, Andy Griffith? How far back? I'm,
1: no, I'm talking Frasier. I'm talking The Office. I'm talk- oh, talking Parks great.
0: and Rec. <gasps> Parks you know and Rec? You're a Parks and Rec guy, Dr. Watt? Oh,
1: I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan. And if <laughs> if if, I, if I'm on a plane, Maria, my wife, just this – This drives her crazy. If I'm on a plane and I see somebody with their laptop open and they're watching a Parks and Rec uh, Uh episode, I can mouth the dialogue uh, (laughs) along with it. (laughs) She's like, you have seen this too many times.
0: Okay. Now, I tried to watch season one. Everybody says to get through season one in order to get to season two and beyond. Right. Okay. Right.
1: Season one is not – season one is not – you go back and, and watch that later. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like reading The Magician's Nephew and Chronicles of yes. Narnia. Don't yes. read that. Don't what's it first.
0: <laughs> okay, so I should jump in with season two because I'm almost done with the sitcom I have going like when I'm cooking and stuff. So that'll be my next one. And I'll start with season two and then eventually go back in Magician's Nephew season one.
1: <laughs> that sounds right. Okay,
0: perfect. Oh, Thanks for doing this today. I'm I'm really grateful for you.
1: Oh, well, I am as well. Thanks for having me.
0: Friends, isn't he brilliant, my gracious? I just felt like we were getting access to a, an absolute treasure trove of good thoughts and wisdom, particularly as we are walking towards our election in the U.S. and the end of this 2020 year. Make sure you grab a copy of The Courage to Stand by Dr. Moore it releases tomorrow, but it's available today. Go ahead and hop on wherever you love to buy your books from and get that ordered so it comes to you as quick as possible. And make sure you follow Dr. Moore on social media. Tell him thanks for being on the show and how much today's conversation meant to you. And thank you guys for submitting your questions so honestly and openly. And I'm I'm grateful you trust me with your words. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the places you may need me, except Snapchat and TikTok, you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And we will see you back here on Thursday with one of my favorite country duos, two of my new brand new best friends, Maddie and Tay. We'll see you all on Thursday.